Hi, and welcome to the production podcast. This is where we break down commercials, movies, and all other types of film and video production. My name is Joshua Dixon. I'm an executive producer at Umbrella Films in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, please make sure to share and subscribe so you can see more content like this. And please remember to visit us at umbrellafilms.com if you ever need any production services in Thailand. Um, today, I've got with me one of our producers, Jake. Hi. Uh, Jake has been with us for how many years? Um, two? About two years, yeah. Two years? Yeah. Um, and so Jake is one of our regional producers, and what he does is um, he produces regionally. So from, from the name, if you can't tell. Um, so one, one of the things that, that Jake really kind of like specializes in that I, I had him on the show today to talk about is remote production. Um, that's kind of like his specialty. Um, he started on it during the whole you know, COVID um, time span. Uh, and it really likes turned into something that, that we as a company specialized in and did a lot of work for. Um, so it's, you know, it's basically like remote production all over the world. Um, so let's do this real quick. So Jake, um, if you can introduce yourself, mm-hmm. uh, let us know a bit about your background, mm-hmm. uh, because before you worked for us, I think you had not, you worked in production, but not as a producer ever, right? That's correct. So uh, my background was that I studied film production in uh, college in university for four years, right? That's my bachelor's degree. But after that, I didn't actually get into film production. I got into headhunting and recruitment for the time being, and then and it was only about let's say a year and a half, maybe two years after I graduated that I actually started getting back into film production. So okay. I first started off as a PA, then uh, moved up to PC. And then, like you said, like about two years ago, I started doing um, producing. So that's why I started like started my career there. Okay, cool. Um, so the, your, your production, right? Or I'm sorry, your producing is a lot different than most people mm-hmm. type of producing, yeah. right? So we've got several other producers at our company, but yours is more focused on remote. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you work on our platform, Filma, uh, and you are producing, I don't know, anywhere from probably like 10 to 30 jobs at a time. Is that a good? Uh, yeah, that's, I would say about 10 to 15 at any given time. Okay. Yeah. But I've, I've seen you do more than 15 though. That is very true. Yes. <laughs> that was a very busy, busy, busy month. Okay. That so, was, I think that was about like 20, maybe yeah, it's about 20, 20 about okay. time. Sure. And so, so the, the way you're able to do that, right. Is because it's remote though, right. Mm-hmm. You're not actually going out on set. For yeah. 20 different productions, yeah. right? Exactly. So it's more like me having to split my head into and looking into every other direction as po- much as possible. So I try to keep everything, like each project down to the core mm-hmm. details, like what exactly they want to do. Is it an interview? Is it a documentary? Is it a commercial? Mm-hmm. What have you, right? So boiling down the basic details, I send it over to each of the, um, the teams that I work with in whatever country, whether it's, you know, China, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, basically everywhere throughout Southeast Asia and yeah. East Asia. And then we just like work our way from there. Sure. So, uh, one, yeah, but we do more than you've done a lot of stuff outside of Asia, though. Oh yes, of course. Right. So you've done stuff in UK, US. Yes, I've done actually all all continents. Yeah, pretty much, including Africa, which I was not expecting, but yes, it did end up going quite well. Yeah, and so so one of the things it's it's kind of um, everyone probably wonders like, so say say like four years ago. Yeah. Right. This would not be a thing like it is today. Definitely right? not. If, no. co- if COVID hadn't happened yeah. and the world shut down, mm-hmm. um, this would not be a thing that's as common as it is, right? So, like, there's, I think that we see that there's, there's a lot of um, different ways people are doing remote production. Yeah. Um, 
if you remember, there was a shoot in China that we helped with for Nike. Yeah. And they had the station that they drop off at the door, they connect it to the person's Wi-Fi, and then they leave, right? Yeah. And then the person literally rolls a stand with the camera and a light into their house yes. and like an iPad. Yeah. It's handling all the communication. Exactly. So they never actually even ever see a person. It's kind of like this mobile unit, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's other levels of production where we're sending people into homes, but you have to keep it like to a two person crew because, you know, COVID protocols and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, I think that there's a bunch of different ways that people are doing remote production. Mm -hmm. um, what do we do mm -hmm. or how, how, how do we handle remote production? Like what is our, uh, strategy? What, how do we approach it? So the way we approach it is that like building off of what you said earlier, where we did, where some people would do mobile units, that is something that we did do before, but that was like for a very certain number of clients back when, you know, COVID, COVID was, was at new. its peak and yeah. it's new and people were scared about it and they did not want to risk interacting with any sort of people outside of their homes. Right. But moving on from that, I feel like what we specialized in is becoming you know, a bit more comfortable with each, with like whoever we're filming with. And then it's also making sure that number one, they're fully vaccinated where we try to be as detailed as possible and be as thorough to make sure that number one, there mm. are no symptoms. And just so that, that whoever we're filming is comfortable working with us, right? But then after we got through the whole COVID peak period, you know, it, it, I feel like it caught- It got, stuck. It, it kind of just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like people just wanted to, people actually love the idea about doing remote production because it really makes things a lot more, I guess you could say, efficient in a way because they don't have to worry about, you know, visas traveling into the country, getting out of the country, accommodations that really helps budget, budgetarily wise. And it's also like, it's much easier to work with a local crew who's mm. more familiar with the customs and the culture sure. yeah, of where obviously. they're filming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's, that's actually uh, one, one of the next points that I wanted to bring up is when, when you're dealing with d doing these remote productions, right? Mm. Like... Um, one of the reasons why I think that people should should hire us, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm going to say they should hire us because it's our company, right? <laughs> right? Like, that's where we work. But yeah. like w one thing that is very, um, uh, how do you say, we, we, we understand very well, right? Mm -hmm. um, the different cultures yeah. that, that people are wanting to shoot in, mm -hmm. in that country, right? We've worked with them often yes and so we've already gone through a lot of the heartaches and the 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 challenges you know with um certain countries that have different customs mm -hmm. uh, for example like indonesia mm -hmm. uh, or malaysia right there's there's a lot of customs um for that country compared to thailand or vietnam it's very different yes, right certain very things true. that trigger people in different ways and, and that sort of thing and so um i think one of the, the challenges that i've always seen when clients come to thailand where we're at or any other country um, it they can get frustrated mm -hmm. because the people aren't doing what they want, or mm -hmm. it doesn't operate how it does in their home country. Very true. Yeah, and so so can you talk about that a bit, like how how you get around that? Well, the way I get around that is it kind of really depends on who I'm working with and the and the scope of the project, right? Mm -hmm. So number one is, for example, is let's say if the client team decides to fly their own director or DOP into the said country they were going to be filming in, right? It's best to have someone who, who can act as the middleman between yeah. the people who, the crew that flew in versus the rest of the production team that are local to that country. Because number one, the a, person- a, fix, a fixer, basically. Basically a fixer, yeah. Because yeah. number one, they're more used to working with international clientele. So they can be more like, okay, you work with this way, things are a little bit different here, but we found a way to make it more, you know, more similar to the way mm -hmm. you're working with. So it's kind of like building a bridge in between the international crew and the local crew. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
so let let's let's take like a couple jobs and sure. talk about them kind of like as case studies. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would be a, what would be an easy job that you could talk about, and then what would be a job that was very difficult, mm-hmm. not so much difficult, but it was very challenging at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, and that could be from a perspective of clients, the the crew, or um, you know, there's just sometimes things that you can't control, mm-hmm. right? And how how we got around that. So, like, what would would you say that there's the two ends of the spectrum are like the the easiest job and then the most challenging job? Well, I'd say like the easiest job that I had to work on was just give me a few minutes here. I, it's like I should have prepared a list. No, it's fine. Hmm. Well, I'll well I'll think about that for a second, but I can definitely answer you the opposite side of the spectrum, which is like the, the most, most difficult, the most difficult yeah, job. Sure, of course. Which I will I'm gonna call it the water project for this time being. Yeah. Now, what it was is basically an NGO entity based coming out of Saudi Arabia, where they wanted to you know provide uh, clean water initiatives to more third world countries, whether it's remote islands in the Philippines yeah. or uh, remote villages in Africa, such as mm. for example Mozambique, uh, Nigeria, Uganda, what have you. And a few other, I guess you could, and and also their vendors who are who mm. are more in the more developed countries, like like for example the countryside in France, or mm. some, um, I guess you could say some NGO heads, like people who are leading this initiative, who are based yeah. on the U.S. Now the one thing that I found challenging about that was because, you know, we're filming in very very remote areas, right? We're out of the city limits, we're out of like the metropolitan area, where it's like it's wilderness, it's the wild west out there. Mm. So that kind of like puts a challenge on, you know. The quality of the video as, as yeah. well, yeah. Especially for when the client, you know, they they give you very basic instructions, which we've never had to, you know, um, have any sort of problems with that before. But the thing is, is that from their side, the person who's financing the project can be a, could, could be very particular about mm-hmm. the quality of footage that they're receiving, and also how everything is going to be strung together in order to create the right. final video. Right, and I just want to. Like I, I actually followed this project really closely. Yeah. Um, right. I was, I was involved with it. Um, and one of the, the, the things that I think was um, difficult for, for us, um, I wouldn't say it's, it's the client. Mm-hmm. Um, it's controlling the expectations. Yes, exactly. Right? And then not just controlling the expectations, but also um, when you're shooting in so remote of places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we try to, our, to do our best to, to warn everyone up front or tell them what is available yeah. in those areas, right? And whenever you are in a remote place, right, where there's not anyone that, mm-hmm. that shoots professionally normally, right? Yeah. You're, you're even trying to find people in the next town over to bring them over, How, however we can do it, right? Like yeah. we, have, we have a really big network mm-hmm. um, that we're able to pull from and source and find people, right? Yes. Um, there's a lot of different... Uh, of people that we've worked with in Africa, mm-hmm. for example, right? And so they know other fixers or something, or, you know, they know someone that knows someone in that country or whatever. And so we're relying on the, a lot of these connections. Um, and so whenever we have someone in that remote area, right, that has, you know, no running water, for mm-hmm. example, right? Like, yeah. And we've got someone filming there, like, that's kind of what you're left with. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't have an option to get someone in there that knows how to light it mm-hmm. quote cinematically right like <laughs> yes. it's just not a thing yeah um you're you're kind of like you're, you're just one step in in those areas right where there's no running water you're one step above an iphone mm-hmm. shooting right that's that's it yeah and and that's kind of like the challenge that i think we were dealing with 
That too, yeah. And also, in, and it was also like showing them the footage. Like, for example, I can tell you about a story we did in the Philippines, right? Where we had to go up into the mountain areas, right? Yeah. Where the project, where the village was actually located now. Mm-hmm. Now, what we would normally do is that, assuming that we're not doing any sort of live streaming. Yeah. Because that's, what we, that's something that, that a lot of our clients like to do anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Just to make sure that the, that the, that the angle is looking good, the settings are right, and they're able to talk with the interviewee who's basically their client, right? Right. So... The what you're the, talking about is kind of like we, we have a WhatsApp group and you're sending them still frames. Is yeah, the, is but the, even then that's becoming yeah, a challenge. Yeah, that's a challenge because there's, there's no, no internet there's no internet. Yeah. There's no data around there. So basically that became more or less like we have to create a schedule on like, okay, we're going to be there at this time. Now, once we start filming, we're going to come back down from the mountain where there's actually a signal and then send you the stills or whatever clips that we that, that we have. Right. And then make sure that and get your comments from there. Yeah. So that's how we were, where, where you were able to work around the whole. Yeah. Like, and and if we if we get a message back from a client, it's like, oh, that's not at all what I, I needed or I had in mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, then it's kind of like, well, OK, we'll go back up there and either shoot it again. Mm-hmm. Or if you you know, the people we're shooting with don't want to shoot Dude, it again. Man. Like that's kind of what we're left with, right? And and I think that we try to do our best to mitigate that, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning. Um, but these are just kind of like some of the challenges for shooting the remote areas. Exactly. Um, and we're talking like literally in the mountains with tribes and things like that. Exactly. Um, it's, it's not like we're going like just one block out of the city. No, yeah. it's not. That's not remote. No, no, no. But let's let's talk then a bit about the ones that are much, uh, are much more put together. Right? Yes. That are more professional. Mm-hmm. They're in you know there's data we can, you can always use a wi-fi hotspot or whatever to do live streaming yeah so that you can actually do a remote interview mm-hmm. and you're sitting there in front of the subject with the team mm-hmm. or not even you right you're mm-hmm. managing this remotely but then our client is, it could be in the u.s and the shoot could be happening in the philippines and they're on zoom mm-hmm. and they're talking back and forth with the actual person that they're interviewing so they're able to actually conduct it yeah completely remotely um real quick guys i just want to um jump over and just uh a quick a quick reminder for all the the people that are listening um, it's greatly appreciated if you could leave us a review about the podcast and let us know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. One, a good example comes to mind is Indonesia, a project we did with uh, Expedia and Traveloka. Okay. Now, that one was a very simple and simple in terms of like it was just a basic interview and wanted to get a speech from, you know, the CEOs, the CEOs uh, in, who are based in um, Jakarta, Indonesia. Right. Yeah. Now, what made it big essentially was the overall technical requirements, the crew size, where we had like, let's say 15 to maybe 20 people on set. And then we wanted, and because these people are CEOs and COOs, right? They're executive level people. They don't have that much time in their schedule. So it's more like we need to be prepared two hours in advance just so that when they show up, we touch them up with a little bit of makeup, we mic them up, and then then we start rolling. The camera starts rolling. Because we cannot risk any sort of delays with that part. Because if, let's say- You won't get it back. We won't get it back. If if the the clock strikes zero, they they say, hey guys, I gotta go. I have another meeting to go to. I I got a a billion dollars on the line here. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So, we can't get that back, right? Right. So what we did was essentially we showed up two, uh, like two, maybe three hours in advance to the location. And then we just prepped everything in advance just so that, and we got on the line with the clients who were based in the U.S. as well. Mm. I think some of them were in Chicago. Some were in New York specifically. So it was a late night for them for sure. But they were still willing to wait, stay up and just make sure that everything was running smoothly just so that, you know, the framing is according to their references or whatever past projects that they've been doing in other countries, right? Just so, yeah, uh, it was all, it was very streamlined. The, the pressure definitely was on because we have an hour once these, once these interviewees arrive. Yeah. Yeah. But um, still happy to report that, you know, once the interview was done, 
everyone was happy. The COOs were happy. CEOs were happy. The client team was happy. Mm. And you know the Indonesia team that we had that we worked with were very professional. Everyone was on time. No one was yeah. late, and they got everything done properly. Yeah. Right. Great. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk real quick about when you're doing something like this. Yeah. Um, what kind of control can clients actually expect? They can expect. Well, assuming that there's live streaming, they can control. Let's 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 back it up and talk all the way from like prep. Sure. Yeah, through because we'll, a lot of these jobs we also do the post on as well. Sure, sure, absolutely. So what these clients can expect to like from remote production, right? Is whether whether for example, like there's like so many different scenarios. But okay, let's go for a scenario where they don't have any sort of crew flying in from their side, mm -hmm. right? So everyone that they, that we're working with is going to be entirely new to them. Yeah. So what they can expect is the right the, to be able to choose what sort of director or DOP that they're going to be working with. Locally. Locally, correct. So sometimes we, they don't really require that because it's a very basic interview. So that's like a bread and butter for any sort of production company. Right. Yeah, but if it's something a bit more higher end, you know, whether yeah. it's an interview with the CEO, COO, right. what have you, or if it's like a mini documentary and they want to be able to capture a certain aesthetic look to yeah. like whatever they're filming, right? Right. That's when we have to start preparing some DOP profiles and sending over their reels, making sure that, okay, we have option A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yep. Yeah, do you like, and like, we think we, we talk with these guys, they're available for the project, their work, their past work is in line with what you have in mind. Hmm. So please feel free to have a look, give us your, give us your thoughts, and then, and then we'll take it from there. Most of the times they'll pick like whoever we recommend because they trust, the clients trust us because you know we talk with them on the phone they have the deep we have the full project details from them right. from the very beginning so they would trust our recommendation about who we who we would want to work with as a dop so if it, i mean like if if uh, if anything bad happens it's our ass right yeah. but we try to make sure that like make, to brief whoever we work with as much po as much as possible but plus use the same people and plus we yeah. use the same people it's not like we want to work with someone new every single time no yeah if it's something small then sure then we have to we have the room to like start like you know expanding our network yeah. obviously so so actually let let's use this to jump over to talk about property guru sure so for example property guru was a massive job um, actually one of our first jobs mm -hmm. uh so we did we we actually did this production for him two years in a row yeah um, yeah and just to let everyone know Pro uh, property guru is a um property and real estate company um they're they're based out of singapore and they put on these award shows for uh real estate um real estate awards right so developers um basically all over Asia, mm -hmm. right, um, including um, West Asia, like India and, and whatnot, right? So mm -hmm. um, they they normally travel mm -hmm. to all these countries and they put on these award shows. When COVID hit, obviously they couldn't do these award shows anymore mm -hmm. at all these you know hotel galas, you know, all over the all over Asia. They'd have I don't know like eight or ten of these a year mm -hmm. um, for for eight to ten different countries, and they couldn't do this for COVID anymore. So it went completely virtual. So we actually filmed the entire gala in a studio, um, pre-recorded the whole thing, and then all the developers, I don't know, probably three hundred different people, yeah. um, all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, they couldn't make it back, right? So we had to do remote interviews with them. Mm -hmm. So with that a lot of times there wasn't people that we could choose that we've done or that we've worked with before yeah so how did you go through finding someone in you know 
say we 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 needed to shoot it in like some small town mm-hmm. in you know Nevada, USA. Mm-hmm. How did you find someone in Nevada, USA? Right? Like, what was the or so not? How did you find them? But like, what are the prerequisite? Like, what what do you? How do you know that they're going to be someone that can? Uh, that works well for for the shoot. Well, number well, I would say boils down to two, maybe three things. Tops. Number mm. one is the level of communication, right? So whenever we were able to find someone, we would like whether it's via Google or Facebook groups. Oddly enough, there's bunch there's like there's there's large there's a bunch of different networks on Facebook nowadays, where you know people are like posting jobs or people yeah. are commenting, post posting their work, what happened, yeah. right? So we find the person and then we say, hey, we have a project coming up. We saw your work. We saw your past work. You know, we think it looks great. Would you be free to t- hop on a quick call just to see, like, you know, mm. would you be interested, available, what happened, like, so on and so forth, right? Yep. So diving deeper into communication, right? It's we, we once we get on the call with them, we want to see how well they're able to communicate with us, how how best, how good they're able to. This is the interview answer. process, right? Yeah, this is the interview process. Yeah, like, like uh, we're, we're, we're screening them, essentially, right? So we ask them, so... Hey, so we want to. We saw your work, so we thought it looks great. So here's the details about the project. So do you have any questions? Yeah. And then, with, depending on what they answer, you know, like how quickly they answer, mm. how well they answer, right? That kind of gives us, you know, a gauge on how well they're going to be able to handle talking to the clients because we're not going to be there, right? Right. We're trusting them to be able to, to act professionally, dress accordingly, and you know, to behave appropriately yeah. in front of these people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, like I said earlier, their past work. So we would normally try to see what's on their show reel, number one, for example. Mm. But once we have the full project details, whether it's an interview, a documentary, or what, or, or whatever the case may be, we try to get specific links from them. So we say, hey, we have this interview project coming up. Do you have any like sort of past interview work that you've done before? Whether it's a very basic corporate interview or yeah. something a bit more cinematic, artistically styled, whatever, mm. right? They send over their links. We see that we 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 make sure that it looks good. You know, they know what they're doing, obviously. Yeah. And if it looks good, then yeah, that's good. Let's go for there. And then number three is, I guess you could say, well, I don't really think no budget is not, budget isn't really that too much of a thing for us to work it, to deal with. No, I mean, I think it can be, it definitely can be. I mean, there's there's, depending where you shoot in the world, true, right? Yeah. The the uh, standard rates mm-hmm. for that city or that country very differently true, right like true. india compared to tokyo yeah is going to be drastically different tokyo will be much more expensive right? yeah but i think well i think instead of like i want to say the word budget it's more or less about how flexible they are yeah yeah because some people will like to work on a very standard rate like let's say okay you mm. want to work with me i cost x amount you can you pay it or not if not then sorry no now that one is a bit more of a challenge for me to work with because I would prefer people who are willing to work with me. Like they, well, they. Yeah, I think that this is the thing is that this remote production, right? Yeah. It's still it's you're not there mm-hmm. and you're not like, hey, I'm showing up at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. every time and we're going to finish at 10 p.m. Yeah. Every time, right? Like the remote production is very much like we need someone who's flexible and understands and can and can collaborate with mm. us essentially remotely right exactly and and you know if they run into a challenge mm-hmm. like they're they troubleshoot it without mm-hmm. us being there right like we can't be troubleshooting why the camera is not mm-hmm. showing up on the zoom feed yeah right they have to figure that out for ourselves and um we you know actually turning that into a big issue remotely mm-hmm. is it's it's magnified yeah you know whenever you're remote like 
if they can just take care of it and <laughs> we don't even ever find out about it, yeah. I prefer that. <laughs> you know, like we don't want to manage those little things. Sure. Um, so I think that that's kind of like what, what you're saying, right? Yeah. Is, is we need people that are on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're somewhat in the trenches with us mm-hmm. and they're, they're able to get it done. Yeah. Um, without lots of unnecessary communication mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me jump real quick over to, um, uh, another thing. So, um, there was a really unique job that we did for BBC or something like that. I don't remember, but it was the dog poachers. Oh, in India. right. No, no, it wasn't India. That was in Indonesia. Sorry, Indonesia. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Now, the clients was the Associated Press. Okay. Yeah, they were yeah, AP. on the yeah, AP, yeah, on the US, right? So, what they were doing is what we basically had two projects with them. One was way down south in like one of the southern islands in in, in Indonesia, right? So This is were, one of those remote areas. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is definitely remote, but not as remote as the Philippine ones, oddly enough, but it's because it's still part of a, like, I guess you could say mid-sized city. So there's yeah. still some data there. Now, what but made e- this one... English is not widely spoken in this Definitely place. not. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. So what made this one particularly, you know, unique was the fact that we had to collaborate with the uh, local authorities there in the terms that they were trying to conduct a... a, a AKA a, a, police. Yeah, the police, yeah. right? Yeah, they were trying to conduct a raid on these, you know, meat warehouses, like these dog, these dog meat warehouses, you know, yeah. where they would steal the dogs and then they would just like jam them into cages and then right. sell they're, them they're, off. They're, yeah, they were butchering them illegally. And, yep, yeah. It's a, yeah, correct. So what we had to do was we had to hire like, you know, to, like a two-person team. One was a still photographer, one was the videographer, right? Mm. And what they would do is that they would be up at about, let's say, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. And then just be out on standby near like where this where the raid was about to happen. But then sometimes that what would what what what, what, uh, what made this more challenging was the fact that if the police didn't says uh, did not get like the go ahead, yeah. they didn't receive the official tip saying okay it's going to happen tonight. Then you know we just have to be there on standby. But if we did if we don't get it then. Okay, nothing happens. Go back yeah. home, rest up. It's 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 like the closest thing we've ever done to like a, what it like the mo- like a movie. A, a, yeah. In terms of like being in a movie, you know, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's like real life breaking yeah. bad situation or yeah. something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think we had to wait for about two maybe three nights in a row. Yeah, stakeout. Sorry. It's yeah, a, yeah, we have it's, a stakeout. It's a stakeout. <laughs> stakeout. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe I didn't think of that no, word. Breaking bad. I don't know what I was saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's yeah a so, we had to wait for three three nights in a row on a stakeout and then on the fourth night we finally got the go ahead from the police. So, they we the police went in, they busted the guys first, they secured the area, and then once yeah. we got the go ahead, we then sent out our teams. So we got the photos, we captured like, you know, them rescuing. We found like a bunch of different dogs like tied up in bags. So, uh, the foot the footage of the yeah, they, they they were saved. So, they were safe. Yeah. They were safe, definitely saved. So this but this was done for a humane society or, or yes, what exactly? Correct. Yeah, it was for a humane society. So the humane society worked with the Associated Press, the AP, right? And then the AP contacted us because they didn't know who they needed to work with in, in right. Indonesia because they and never said this, this is a story AP was trying to cover for them, right? To bring awareness, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So AP, they didn't know who to work with in Indonesia. Right. So that's where we came in and helped out. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's one of the, <laughs> the, like the, the, one of the stories that I'm kind of like really proud of, like mm-hmm. that's really cool what we did. Um, because I mean like everything else we do, I mean, it's important, but like that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very big dog person mm-hmm. as you know. So, um, it's it's really neat that we were able to figure that out because they were they were taking dogs from people's like they steal them from people's homes. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. They just they steal it and then your dog's gone. Yeah. So this is a really cool thing. I'm really glad that we were part of that. Um, the uh, and and the fact that we we're able to 
get it. Like, how did, how did we, how did, what did we do? We had, we, we used our Indonesian connections to find people there. Yeah. Yeah. So what we did was we, we, we did a bit of both ways because this sort of video, this sort of assignment requires a, a special type of person, like who's been on the ground and worked with a lot of news agencies or news right. or news channels before. Yeah. This, now, this is not a guy that, that shows up to a, a film set and yeah. works his 12 hours and clocks out. Yeah. Now this guy, now this guy, the, this, the type of person that you would need for this one is like someone who's very, very proficient in doing a running gun. Yeah. So if he's going to have a sh shot list in his pocket, right? Yeah. Don't know what shots he needs to get, but he also needs to know that like, he's got to think off his feet. So yeah, because so, anything can happen on a stakeout and on a police raid. So if things start, things get moving, you know, you got to get, get ready. Yeah, yeah, because you can't be like have some guy who's worked on inter in like let's say corporate interviews and right. just be like, hey, hey guys, can we do that again? I gotta light this scene right here. Like, <laughs> I gotta get the, the the dogs looking like all dramatic and stuff. Be right yeah. back, all right? That no, doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. So what we did, well, what I did for that situation was, I started looking up. I think this, uh, there's a specific terminology for like these kind of people, right? The, what is it called again? The people. Uh, I I don't know. You told you, me. Yeah, poaching. No, 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 no. It's not poaching. It's like the type of uh, camera guy. Oh, they're they're like an ENG guy. They're Some, they're more of a news shooter. Oh yeah, ENG shooter. Yeah, ENG shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was about. one of the things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started looking up ENG style. E yeah. yeah, exactly. Those kind of people. So I managed to find three, maybe four, and then out of the four, like two of them were I was able to you know communicate more proficiently with, and then I finally just like liked the one of them. His name is Hadi. Yeah. So I work with him like, on two of these projects now, and uh, okay. yeah, he's he's great. He's worked on two, two, AP, two AP jobs. Yeah, okay. with with me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I work with them on both of the eight of uh, the AP AP jobs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. Let's 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 do this real quick. Um, let's talk about uh, your daily workflow. Mm -hmm. How do you manage ten jobs at a time? I'm sure everybody's kind of like. <laughs> That's not possible, right? <laughs> you know, if we hire hire you, mm -hmm. um, or you're working on someone's job, they're wondering, you know, what time goes into their production. So how are, how are you splitting it? Um, I know that like on any of the emails I'm CC'd, mm -hmm. I'll see emails from you at 3 a.m., 10 p.m., mm -hmm. you know, 4 p.m., <laughs> 6 a.m. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. T tell us how you manage it. <laughs> so a lot of coffee, for example. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the way I normally like, you know split up the workflow is I try to base it depending on where the client is based on, is based in, first of all. Mm. Like, for example, if they're a U.S.-based client, they're usually about 12, maybe 14 hours behind us. Yeah. Right? Because we're in Bangkok. Right? But I would all... But on the other side of the equation, I would also look to see where we're going to be filming, first of all. Yeah. So let's say for the example, if the client is based in the U.S., they're not going to be able to get back to me until about, let's say, past 6 p.m. tonight. Yeah. Yeah, because they're asleep by now. Right. So I try to work with the local team that I'm going to be work that we're going to be filming in, and try to brief them about as much details as possible right. about the project. So that, that way, you know, once I get the once I start doing the prep work from their side, I can just go back to the client side who are just waking mm. up and just say tell them, hey, we got this much work done, so we're on schedule to start shooting next week, what have you. Mm -hmm. So, so if you have any updates, let us know. Otherwise, we're good to go. Okay. Yeah. Because I always try to get... Yeah, and, and you work a lot. <laughs> that too, yeah. No, I feel like yeah. the, the trick about this one is just boiling everything down to the core details, especially yeah, during the initial call with the clients. Right. As long as you can get majority, like 90% of what is going to be required yeah. for this project, then I think you don't really need to rely on them too much unless, of course, they come back to you and have this like crazy, crazy, you know, yeah. like change in the creatives or 
a, a new a new requirement from their side. They they want to go with a second camera. But actually, no, that's not too that's not too crazy. It's fairly easy, but it's more about the creative side from their from from them essentially. Yeah.